brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Flawless victory. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we decided that we were going to do a profile not on a person, but on a company, uh, a company that has ceased to be and has sort of rung up the curtain and joined the choir invisible. Well, ceased to be as an independent company. Yeah, uh, we're talking about Midway Games, and Midway Games has a special place in my heart because it, they they actually published one of my favorite video games of all time. Gee, which one would that be? You well, I mean, you might have two or three titles going through your head. Yeah, but considering your quote, no, it is not that one. It's not that it's one. Not Mortal Kombat. Really? That's probably probably the most famous title that that Midway published, but is not the title that's my favorite. Okay, which one is your favorite? Spy Hunter. Oh yeah, that's yeah. mine too. I mean, you got the you got the Peter Gunn theme, and you got the cool spy car with guns and stuff. And I mean, I like the old old classic Spy Hunter game. Yeah, we're we're talking the one that that you look down on top of the car, not yeah. the remake where right. you're in the car. Oh, that was kind of fun too. Yeah, but, but I, it was I, yeah the, the the overhead view and especially the ones that had the cockpit style console so you were sitting down and you were you know completely enveloped and you just had that Peter Gunn theme playing and and glorious glorious low fidelity <laughs> yeah so um but yes the midway games has, has sadly fallen on hard times to the point where the the company is no more than just a name really at this point right um, but let's let's kind of set the the whole Story here. So, mm-hmm. going way back into uh, the 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 '60s, uh, Midway was a company that was developing and producing equipment for amusement parks and and fairgrounds. Right. So the name made sense. The Midway that was the area of a, a carnival where you would find all the games. Right. So that, that yeah. you know, and rides as well. That's the Midway. So Midway starts off uh, developing various games for amusement parks and. In 1969, uh, they were purchased by another company that became known for producing lots of games and amusements, Bally. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who have listened to our pinball podcast, you may have heard us talk about Bally. Oh, we, actually, Midway as well, because both companies did produce pinball machines. Yes. And uh, so that, back then, that's pretty much what the coin-operated uh, divisions of these companies were concentrating on producing pinball machines. Well, they didn't have video games at that point. Yes, this predates, not, predates video games, really. Not uh, that didn't exist on an oscillator in a lab. Right. So eventually, video games do <clears throat> start to emerge. People begin to play with this idea. And uh, Midway published a couple, but the first one of any real note that they published was in 1978, and it was a biggie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before before this, they had made one of their, probably one of the earliest and biggest blunders. They turned down the opportunity to publish a certain video game that uh, became synonymous with the early, early, early days of video games. Uh, it was a, a, a creation of a Mr. Nolan Bushnell. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? 
Chuck E. Cheese? Pong. Oh. Oh, that the earlier yeah. creation of Nolan Bushnell. Yes, Pong. So Pong was, uh, they, they had the opportunity to publish Pong. And yes. They, they mm-hmm. turned it down. Uh, but they did not turn down the opportunity to publish a video game from a Japanese company called Taito mm-hmm. called Space Invaders. Bump. Bum, bum, bum. Pew, pew. This is our sad attempt at recreating the space. I'll, Im- I'll improve uh, my Foley technique. Maybe we can get Liz to throw in like a, a just a, an electronic beep here and there uh, for this podcast. So Space Invaders comes out in 1978. Now, for those of you younger listeners who never played or saw Space Invaders, or maybe you've only seen it in one of those arcades where they have like the classic console where it has five or six different games and then Space Invaders is one of them, you may not realize that this was an enormous hit in the video game world. I mean, you, you can't really understate how big this was. Yeah, I mean, in, in 1978, I was seven years old, and you know, I remember Space Invaders machines being at skating rinks, and you know, people used to roller skate in the 70s, right? And uh, pizza parlors. Yes, this was before inline skating. Yeah, yep. Well, people still quad skate, but it wasn't, you know, at that time, that was a, a big thing to do. And, yeah. and there were, you know, any place where you might find a video game, because they really didn't have video arcades. I never really saw one until the 80s. Yeah, I, I so remember the 70s, seeing them in uh, bars. Yeah. Because that's where my dad would leave me. <laughs> He'd go next door to right. Just I tell the people inside, look after, look after this kid, will you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. My dad never, ever left me in a bar. Mom, that's a different story. Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, no, no. My parents they, are fantastic. Do they, li- they are, but did they listen to the podcast? I don't know. Because you're going to get listener mail from them. I'll find out. Um, so at any rate, the, the, yeah, Space Invaders was in lots of these different little locations. And oh, yeah. one of the reasons why it was such a huge hit was it introduced a new uh, concept into video games that did not exist at that point. There was no way to win Space Invaders. Right. Right? There was no ending. You would just keep playing. You would get a new wave of enemies, and you would fight them off, and then you'd get another wave, and it would keep going until you finally lost your last life. What it did have was a high score. Yes. So you could put your initials in and have the high score on that console. And this was a new concept back in 1978. So Mm -hmm. people began to compete with each other to try and get that high score. And it it meant that people were spending more money playing these games. I mean, the game's really sticky, as they say these days. Right, because you you would establish your score and then you would have to defend it. Because if someone else beat your score, well, then you'd have to go back and try and beat their score so you could get it again. Um and yeah, that, that ended up being a huge hit. Uh, the next three big games that mm-hmm. Midway released um, back in the early, early 80s were Defender. Ah, uh, yes. Where you would shoot aliens and try to defend your human colony against them. Yes. Uh, there was Robotron. Uh, uh, 2084. So Robotron uh, introduced a new control system. It had two joysticks. Yep. The left one you would use to move your character with. And right. The right one you would use to control your guns, essentially. Right. And they you were would, eight-way joysticks. Right. You would direct your, your laser fire uh, using the right joystick. And this, this setup actually served as a, a model that ended up being used in other games in the future, including Smash TV and Total Carnage. Yes. Um, that'll come into play a little bit later. The third game is probably the most famous video game of all time. Arguably the most famous video game of all time. You, you could maybe make a case for Pong or Space Invaders, but it would be Pac-Man. Yes. I don't think any of the others spawned a whole album of music. 
right or well, a, a dance and a cartoon a hit and, single anyway yeah yeah so pac-man was uh there's just really no way of saying yeah. how big it was it was enormous if you were growing up in the 80s you knew what pac-man was yes and of course pac-man it was a uh, license from namco who still owns the rights right, right. to it yes. now. Yeah. But uh, Midway didn't necessarily develop these games. Midway was the American and European carrier, the publisher of these games. Mm-hmm. So that's an important distinction. Now, Midway has, of course, developed and published its own games as oh, well. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but these early successes are, are mainly Midway licensing the titles from other companies and then publishing them under the Midway name. Mm-hmm. Uh which still makes it quite a bit of money. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So then uh, in 1983, the pinball divisions of Bally and Midway officially merge. It becomes Bally Midway Manufacturing Company. Ah, yes. And five years later, they were published by another uh, – Midway was published by another big electronics company, one that also had its uh, name on several pinball machines. Mm-hmm. Williams. Yes. Williams we Electronics. To, we talked about them quite a bit in our, our yeah. pinball podcast. So yeah, Bally, Williams, Midway, these names have always been big and you know, you start to see how they kind of mesh and merge throughout the years. So in eighty eight, uh, that's when Williams Electronics purchases Midway. And in nineteen ninety one, Williams starts to incorporate its own gaming division with Midway's gaming division. So the the they're not just, you know, it's not just a subsidiary company. They're actually merging together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game that they produce is Total Carnage, which I mentioned yes. earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a sequel to Smash TV, which came out under the Williams name. Right. Total Carnage was the product of both Williams and Midway working together. And uh, there were two developers who worked on Total Carnage who also became famous later on for the Mortal Kombat games. Mm-hmm. And that's Ed Boon and John Tobias. Right. Noob Cybot. <laughs> uh, that only makes sense if you've played some of the Mortal Kombat games. But yeah, they both worked on Total Carnage. Uh, uh, Ed Boon actually did a voice for it, and Tobias did some of the art for it. And uh, then in 1992, that's when Mortal Kombat actually launches. Mm-hmm. And you could say that this game was also a hit. Maybe just slightly. Yeah, another big, big hit. Huge controversy on this game because it oh, was yeah. it was very, very gory, very violent, lots of blood. I mean, you have a you have a game where at, after you finish defeating your opponent, you can, if you know the right sequence of joystick and button moves, uh, finish him with a fatality. And the fatalities, although you know, really when you look back at those early fatalities and really all the fatalities in the Mortal Kombat franchise, they're over the top and to the point where I think of them as silly. Uh, the first time you see it, you might be like, wow, that's cool. That guy grabbed the other guy by the head and ripped out his entire spine. But really when you watch it like for the fourth or fifth time, you're like, yeah, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was cool at the time and it was, and it was a neat idea and it also, it, made that game very sticky because everyone wanted to learn not just how to play each character because each character's moves were different, different. and mm-hmm. the, the combinations you had to use were different. They needed to learn each character's fatality. And uh, as the game series goes on, they introduced more fatalities so that each character had more than one. Um, and they had different flavors, not just the fatalities, but things like the babality where you would turn into a little baby mm-hmm. or the uh, friendship where you would, instead of killing your opponent, make them feel better by perhaps presenting them with some flowers. <laughs> um but they had, you know, or animality, or yeah, I guess it had to be animality because the other alternative would have been really unfortunate. Um, animality, where you would turn into an animal and then 
disable your opponent that way. I think Chris just got my joke. I am uh, <clears throat> I'm pretending not to listen. Okay. Um, so, yeah, several sequels follow the Mortal Kombat series. Uh, right around that same time, Midway released one of the biggest arcade games ever in terms of uh, earnings. Mm-hmm. NBA Jam. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, yep. NBA Jam, I actually enjoyed playing NBA Jam. I don't typically like playing sports games. NBA Jam, of course, being a basketball game. It's a two-on-two basketball game. Right, right. I'm not big on sports games in general. Uh, I'm not a big sports fan. I'm not particularly good at sports games. But NBA Jam was an arcade-ish sports game in that the 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 emphasis was not on accuracy by any means. It was right. on outlandishness and, and, and fun gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun being, of course, a... A, a, a subjective term. Okay, uh, if if I get what you're saying here, what you're saying is it wasn't necessarily realistic. Not at all. It was intended to be amusing. I mean, something that amuses you and keep, keeps you going and, and you're enjoying yourself, but it's not necessarily... The physics aren't necessarily exactly accurate. Right. Like, for example, the difference in, uh, you know, something like Gran Turismo being a realistic car game, which is not Midway, you know, it's not, but I'm saying... Versus, versus like Burnout. Burnout, where, exactly, where, where it's, it's... The point is just ridiculous, to yeah. run into things and, you know... Ridiculous in a good way, by the way, so don't, oh, yeah. don't yell at me. Absolutely, both I, are good games, but they're different, because the point is not, of uh, Burnout is not to be hyper-realistic, it's to just, you know, it's, it's a simplified version of the game that's just there for you to have fun with. Right. So NBA Jam is sort of like that. Yeah, and, and it, it was a four-player game. Up to four people could play, so one per and, character. You know, often did. Yes. In arcades that I would go to, it was always very, very popular. And, and that's how these machines earned so much money so quickly, because it was usually an expensive one to play. Mm-hmm. And you had four people playing at once, so you're earning around maybe like up to $4 a play. And uh, everyone's eager to play it. So, yeah, that one was a huge hit for Midway financially. Um, it also served the basis of other sports games that they released later on that had kind of followed kind of a similar philosophy. Things like uh, uh, NHL 2-on-2 and uh, mm-hmm. NBA Ballers and NFL Blitz. Yep. Which are more arcade-style yeah. sports games. Yeah. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was that Midway in the in the early mid-90s uh, purchased another big, big name in gaming. Ah, yes. Atari games. Yeah, this, Atari has... We need, to do a, we need to do a podcast on Atari. Yeah. Because Atari has had several lives. Yes, Atari has split and reformed and split and died and been reborn and so many times. The name has been times. purchased and yeah. put on stuff. It's actually not. a very complex thing to talk about. So yeah. Midway purchased one of the companies called Atari Games. I think, um, I think um, if I'm not mistaken, we're talking about the arcade version. Yeah. Yeah, because Hasbro Interactive owned the other Atari. In fact, uh, Midway not just per- didn't just purchase Atari Games, but they renamed it. They mm-hmm. eventually renamed it Midway Games West, right? Uh, because they wanted to avoid the confusion of the other Atari Games, which was owned by by um, Hasbro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they produced some games through there, like uh, WrestleMania, uh, the arcade game WrestleMania, uh, Killer Instinct, which. That was huge when I was in college, and that was that was an older game when I was in college. It wasn't didn't just come out, but um, well, some of these things are timeless. You know, yeah. th- there are still new versions of Pac-Man being introduced, and yeah, 
you know, people, yeah. people still love playing it. This is true. Uh, Rampage World Tour. That was another game. I used to love Atari. Rampage. Yeah, this one was uh, one of the sequels. I, I not not the original Rampage. Right. Um, and then the Midway decided to branch out. Uh, not just making arcade and console games. Uh, really, they were f- still focused on arcade games at this time. Um, so in 1995, they tried something new. Mm-hmm. They financed and released a film of one of their properties. <laughs> it was not Pac-Man. <laughs> no, it was not Pac-Man. It was Mortal Kombat. Yes, it was. And Paul W.S. Anderson, not Paul Wes Anderson, <laughs> which is confusing enough, uh, was the director. Mm-hmm. And um, the film ended up meeting with some success. Yeah. Quite a bit, actually. It I've never up, seen it. I know that shocks you. didn't you. see Mortal Kombat? Well, I was never a fan of the game. I've never enjoyed, really, the the, uh, the fighting games, like Street Fighter. Yeah. and uh, Which is not Midway. As a matter of fact, Mortal Kombat was kind supposed to be the competitor. Yeah. To, to Street Fighter. But, uh, Just yeah. as Tekken is, in a way, an answer to Street Fighter. Sure. One sure. would say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've never been... So I wasn't really interested in that. But, uh, yeah, I do remember it meeting with some success. Although, I remember it, people saying that it was sort of a silly movie. Um, okay. Mortal Kombat was awesome, uh, and it once again helped to cast Christopher Lambert in a character whose nationality is totally not the same as the actor's, Yeah, which was awesome. I mean, we're talking about the same actor who was uh, – we've got, we've got a – see, is, is Lambert French or Belgian? I can't remember. I think he's French. And, um, and he was cast, of course, as the Scottish Highlander in the Highlander movies. When you right. had the real Scott being uh, an Egyptian character, which going under a Spanish name, that's neither here nor there. Obviously, I'm getting off track with Highlander, but uh, yeah, and, it's and, okay. I'm stall- keep stalling. While so I look you're it looking up. up to see if he's French or Belgian. Um, so in Mortal Kombat, he played uh, Raiden, the the Japanese storm god. You're not going to enjoy this. Uh oh, he's American. Lambert is. Wow. Interesting. Yep. I did not Born know that. Born in Great Neck, Long Island, New York, USA, according to IMDb. Wow, I was just trying to deport him. Um, <laughs> no. But anyway, here he is. Here he is playing yeah. various roles. Oh, I see what you're saying because his uh, his according again according to IMDb he uh, he was he left the United States when he was two years old. His uh, dad was a UN diplomat, and so he uh, he went to school in Switzerland. Switzerland. See, now that explains the accent. Yes, yes. That yeah, would be the French. And um, it might be why he's, uh, you know, he's so neutral when it comes to being cast. In <laughs> that must be why they can cast him movies. as any, any nationality. Right. At any rate, so he played Raiden. And, uh, yeah, the, the movie met with some success. And, mm-hmm. in fact, it got to the point where Midway was kind of getting a little confident about their, their abilities to enter various forms of entertainment, including the movies. So they made a sequel. Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which did not meet with success. Uh, $35 million box office worldwide. Yeah. Not good. So that was a that was kind of a, a flop. Uh, they decided to get out of that. There, there's been talk of another Mortal Kombat movie. And in fact, I you know if you've been on YouTube in the last year or so, actually the last couple of months, um, you may have seen the, the promo kind of... Uh, sort of a, a, a test for another Mortal Kombat movie, but in this case, it's, it's really it's not even a preview. It's just kind of a, 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 a reel to show investors to see if you can get money to actually film a, a, a full feature-length movie. Mm-hmm. So we may eventually see another Mortal Kombat movie, even though Midway itself is not really... Uh, its name is probably not going to be on that anymore. Well, <clears throat> I think... We we haven't gotten to the uh, the very end of this, but I have the feeling that uh, 
Midway's current owner uh, will be able to do something with that, probably. If they want considering to, yeah. their, uh, Considering their... Right, their pockets. Yes. So, 1998, uh, Midway becomes a fully independent company. It splits off from WMS, which was the Williams... The Williams Electronics. Midway. Yeah, Mid- Williams Midway Company. So, Midway becomes its own company again in 98. Um, and it releases... Uh, that same year, it releases Mortal Kombat 4. So, like, the... the Various games have been coming out. Mortal Kombat 4 does not get a huge amount of uh, positive reviews. Mm-hmm. It was the first one that kind of made it a 3D game as opposed to a 2D game, and that's when we discovered that people kind of like things to be the way they always were. Funny that. So <laughs> in 99, uh, John Tobias leaves Midway. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he was one of the two guys who brought the Mortal Kombat series to Midway, um, and he uh, he goes off to fi- found his own studio, Studio Gigante. Or Gigante. I'm going to get listener mail for that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, uh, his studio creates uh, Tao Feng and a couple of other games, but it does not last. It closes in 2005. So sad story for Tobias there and that his his efforts uh, ultimately fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2000, that's when they Midway renames Atari Games to, to Midway Games West. Mm-hmm. Um, 2001, they have a, a, a lawsuit begins between Midway and Pandemic Studios, which had been developing games for Midway at that point. Yep. Um, that was not pretty. In 2003, uh, that's when Midway closes Midway Games West. Yes. And I have information that suggests that um, the coin-operated video game business was sold off in 2001. Yeah, yeah, um, to to Hap Controls Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, yeah. So they at that point the arcade business is really pretty much gone. Yeah. By 2001, you don't have that many arcades anymore. You've got a few places like Dave & Buster's. You've got a few independent arcades, and you've got some student centers at various universities. But really, the days of the old arcade in the in the mall are pretty much over. Kind of ironic, considering the uh, home console bust in the 80s. Right. That uh, it recovered so significantly that it is essentially replaced... Going yeah. out to the mall, and yeah. Home consoles playing games eventually cannibalized the arcade industry, just as they were threatening to do when they first appeared in the early, early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. There's a massive um, comeback there. Yeah, yeah. It was, so it's kind of interesting to see that cycle. Uh, so, 2003, Midway closes uh, Midway Games West and opens a San Diego studio, but mm-hmm. don't get too attached to it. Uh, so. <laughs> As they they purchase they start they start purchasing other companies including one called Surreal Software which uh, released some games like uh, The Suffering mm-hmm. I've actually played The Suffering which is a pretty intense game for the Xbox um, I, it may be for other platforms as well but I played it on the Xbox uh, then in 2005 they sign a deal with Cartoon Network to create some games based on the Adult Swim lineup mm-hmm. of, of programs right. And then uh, in late 2005, Midway shuts down the Australia studio and the San Diego studio. Right. So, yeah, 2003, they opened the San Diego studio. 2005, they close it. Uh, They also, in 2005, buy another studio called Ratbag Games, which makes a phenomenal title Mm -hmm. based on the Dukes of Hazzard movie, which is about as good as you expect. <laughs> yeah, Just, I, I heard uh, not so positive things yeah. from the fans around the uh, rat bag Here, acquisition. Here's a, here's a rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. A rule of thumb is that video games based upon 
television shows, movies, comic books, and cartoons tend to not be very good. Well, there are notable exceptions. Midway had had released other uh, games related to the movies and TV shows, such as Tron and Discs of Tron. Which were awesome. I enjoyed them very much. Yes. Both of them. I, like I said, there are notable exceptions. There are certain games that are based on these property, these kind of properties that are amazing. But for every amazing game you get, you get 10 ETs. <laughs> or Superman in 64. No, no. frankly, I think there's only one E.T. E. Oh, we should be thankful. <laughs> so That is particularly awful. So 2008, uh, we're, we're, we're <laughs> jumping ahead a bit here, but Midway, cool. Midway's been suffering. Okay, they've, they've not been raking in the revenue to be able to pay off the loans that the company has taken in order to stay in business. And those loans have started to really accumulate. Mm-hmm. Um, by 2008, they start to they shut down a Los Angeles office. They move uh, the operations back to San Diego. They shut down the Austin office, which was developing some pretty cool games at the time. I remember I had friends in Texas at the time, and they were very upset. Um, I no longer have those friends. In December of 2008, uh, the fellow holding 87% interest in the company sells it off. That's yes. Sumner Redstone. You may be familiar with that name. Yes, I am. Yeah. Are you <laughs> Redstone? That's a pretty famous name. Yeah, if um, you're a, if you pay attention to media at all, you're probably familiar with Sumner Redstone's name. Yes, yeah. in Redstone's many, huge. Many, 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 yeah. many, many media properties. Things like CBS. Um, details, so, details. So Redstone sells his controlling interest. He had eighty-seven percent of the ownership of that company, and he sells it to an investor named Mark Thomas, and he sells it for one hundred thousand dollars. And think about this for a minute, guys. This is the company that brought Pac-Man to America. Yes. And it's essentially being the, – the ownership of this company, more or less, is being sold for a hundred grand. That, that makes a statement. Yeah. That, so. the, how the mighty have fallen is might be that <laughs> statement. Now – He didn't have much confidence that it was going to improve. And not only that, but also – we should also point out or I'll point out that um, – well, the company at that point had over $200 million in debt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just Midway alone had $200 million in debt. But yes. Sumner Redstone had bigger problems to worry about because the parent company that owned Midway at the time uh, was uh, – or the parent company that Sumner worked through in order to own this 87% ownership. Mm-hmm. This is really complicated when we get into this. We need, we need business how business deals works. Off um, but the parent company was called National Amusements. Mm-hmm. It had $1.6 billion, with a B, dollars in debt. So Redstone had some big problems to worry about. And so getting this other debt-filled property off his hands was probably uh, seen as a quite the, the boon, so to speak. Not the Ed boon, but the boon. Uh, so he sells it to Mark Thomas. Now, in 2009, February of 2009, Midway declares bankruptcy. Right. Um. And then later on that year is purchased by Warner Brothers for $33 million. Yes. So, and, and Warner Brothers closes the, the corporate headquarters of Midway, which was located in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, that office closes, uh, it, it, that was kind of like the end of an era because that was really the heart of Midway. Uh, the, the company really kind of doesn't exist anymore. It's been folded into the Warner Brothers interactive uh, uh, division for video games. Right. The people who are developing properties for it are basically 
doing so now under Warner Brothers' name. And we we should be specific. Uh, Warner Brothers only purchased certain intellectual property sure. from Midway. So p- other parts of Midway were sold off to other companies. Yeah. And some of them just shut down because no one bought them. Uh, the San Diego one shut down. Uh, Newcastle shut down. Um, so it's not, it's not that Midway now belongs to Warner Brothers. It's certain properties of Midway belong to Warner Brothers, most notably the Mortal Kombat franchise. Um, and, yeah. But like uh, NBA Jam went to a different company. And I don't remember who it was, but I know it was not Warner Brothers. Um, EA. I think it went to EA. I think they're hmm. producing NBA Jam for uh, the Wii. So I had no idea. Yeah, I saw that at E3. I was trying to remember. I was like, wait, it was the really big, loud booth. Which one was that? It was EA. So yeah, the the company is pretty much no more. It what remains of the company. The people who worked for the company are either working for Warner Brothers or some other uh, uh, studio, mm-hmm. or they're sadly looking for work. Um, it's really kind of a tragic tale because you think about. Some of the games they released, like the, you know, like Pac-Man, Defender, Spy Hunter, the Mortal Kombat series, NBA Jam. You think about these games, and you're like, "Wow, this company really made some blockbuster games." But it just shows that uh, that you know the, the the hard times when they hit the video game industry really hit Midway hard. Mm-hmm. It did not make the transition to console games fast enough or effectively enough. And I would say the combination of some poorly timed purchases and some less than stellar games really did them in. And mm-hmm. plus backing movies like Mortal Kombat Annihilation probably didn't help. Right. <sighs> so you told us what your favorite is. Do you have a, a sleeper favorite, one that wasn't a big hit that you really enjoyed? I'd have to look at the entire, you know what, I'd have to look at the entire library of Midway games to tell you, and I did not do that, yeah. so I can't really. Well, I, you know, there are lists out there, and yeah. um you know, I'm not sure how authentic they are. I'm pretty sure they're fairly accurate, but uh, I do have a couple because I was I didn't realize that Tron was a Midway game. Tron's way up there. That but, was always uh, a great game. But uh, I always enjoyed. Um, I actually discovered this one in college, Trog, which was really fun. A very cartoony Pac-Man-esque game where you played a caveman. I, I vaguely remember Trog. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, you played a, a dinosaur running from a, a caveman. It was just very, very funny game. I mm-hmm. just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tapper. Uh, yes. And Root Beer Tapper you know, for the uh, different um, you know, I may had, not be in the, the uh, bar. I had Root Beer Tapper section. for the Apple IIe. I, I really enjoyed that. That, As far as I can tell, now I haven't done any, any research on this at all, but I'm pretty sure that that game may have launched the whole time management thing, which is so big in casual games with the diner dash and all the other dashes and, you know, move stuff over here, you better hurry or you're going to get, you know, your customers are going to leave or whatever. That was the first time management game I saw, and I played that in you know high school, hmm. actually junior high school. Well, Midway Games, stuff. we hardly knew ye. <laughs> uh, rest in peace. Uh, your games shall live on. And there are th- these companies are going to continue. Various companies are going to continue sure. the franchises because there's going to be a new Mortal Kombat game coming out very soon. I actually got to see a demo of that at E3, and it was 
It was just as gloriously violent, over-the-top, ridiculous as all the other Mortal Kombat ones. It actually goes back to the philosophy of the original Mortal Kombat game, so I think fans will be pleased. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, that'll wrap this discussion of Midway Games up. We'll probably do profiles on other companies in the future, and uh, not just video game companies, but other electronics companies. Sure. Um, and, and computer companies. And so we're going to wrap this up. If you have any topic suggestions, if there's a particular company you would like us to talk about, write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Tech Stuff HSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash techstuffhsw. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?